Good afternoon and welcome to the Jim Leach Show. And we are live today at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum, but uh, in a slightly different format than what we used to do here every week. We are actually right now in an area that is closed off to the public, but in a couple of weeks it's going to be open. It's going to be very exciting. We are in the middle of the State of Sound exhibit that opens officially on April 30th and tells the story of music with Illinois roots and connections, the music, the musicians, the history of the remarkably talented people who have uh, created the soundtrack of multiple generations. And I am so pumped for this today. We are actually inside a replica vintage radio studio that's going to be utilized by radio stations all over the state of Illinois when this is officially open to the public. So when you come through and see the exhibit, there's a very good chance as you're coming through here, you'll actually see DJs or talk show hosts from around the state who are doing their thing right here from this remote location, just as we are here today. And to get us started, we are talking with the the person who is uh, the, the the mastermind among many very smart people putting this uh, whole exhibit together. His name is Lance Tauser. He is the uh, director of exhibits and shows here at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. He's also a one-time radio guy. He is a rocker from way back. And he is here to tell us the whole story of the state of sound. Lance, welcome. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Jim. Well, let, let's start from, I guess, the inspiration for this here in the Lincoln Presidential Museum, where much of what happens here focuses on the 1800s and the Civil War. And somebody said, let's put together an exhibit that's going to include Sam Cooke and Cheap Trick and Ario Speedwagon and uh, Lou Rawls and Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and... Where does the inspiration for that come from? Well, I mean, uh, you don't see a correlation between the two, but uh, (laughs) this exhibit will be in our Illinois Gallery, which is essentially our changing exhibit space, and it's where we either host a national traveling exhibit uh, that we feel our community should be, um, you know, aware of, or if we create an exhibit, the ideas can be anything from a Lincoln-oriented or simply illinois oriented so this gallery is actually called the illinois gallery so uh you know we looked at the idea of telling illinois stories in this space so it's not that big of a jump and and the fact that our mission includes the illinois state historical library it means that we can kind of spread our wings beyond lincoln to include illinois stories and this idea kind of came to us uh from one of our uh staffers here who uh we're always open to hear ideas and we get a big group around the table and there's no such thing as a bad idea and this idea started out as a little idea and it grew and grew and you as you as you mentioned you are essentially taking our studio for a spin before we actually unleash it on the world so uh thanks again for uh breaking it in for us we're going to talk more about the the studio aspect aspect of it in a moment because it is it is phenomenal and it is bringing back so many great memories for me as a as an old radio guy but let's talk a little bit more about then developing this exhibit from this small idea to the very big exhibit it's about to become. And, and when you start to dig into it, and I, I think people probably don't realize just how extensive uh, the Illinois music connection is. So how do you start going about organizing it, curating it, figuring out what goes in, what doesn't go in? Well, the first thing I did was actually hire an old colleague of mine, Dave Hoekstra, a guy who had written books on the subject. He was a 30-year man from the Sun-Times. He and I had worked together before. And I pitched this idea to him, and right away he said, you know, that's a big topic, that we would have, we'd have to go 
wide on this one, meaning very comprehensive. And so we made a, a series of de- early decisions about what we were going to try to cover. And so that bite got bigger and bigger as the project kind of moved along. So the little idea grew to essentially 3,000 square feet, and we're standing in a or sitting in a 300-square-foot studio, which is taking up 10% of the exhibit. So we decided not only did we want to interpret all these different musicians and music genres, but we also wanted to talk a little bit about radio history, wanted to talk about record labels, and we also wanted to talk about the sort of gear and the equipment that is made in, in Illinois. And the, and the impetus was, how do you put your arms around, you know, this topic from a standpoint of people walking through the door with maybe a small level of understanding about, oh, I, I knew that Muddy Waters was based out of Chicago. Okay, that's great. But did you know that Miles Davis is from Alton, Illinois? Did you know Allison Krauss, you know, essentially from Peoria or Decatur? I can't remember what she is. Yeah. And uh, so we we looked for important people and stories that would essentially create this, uh, you know, hopefully this 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 feeling of understanding that we actually live in a pretty special place. The the music that have that has launched from this little state has affected the globe. And I think that's a really good story to tell. And and it's a big story to tell. We can think of certain uh, geographic areas and identify a type of music with them. New Orleans jazz, uh, country in uh, Nashville, uh, the surf sound of California, blue-eyed soul in Philadelphia. If you think Illinois, is there one thing that springs to mind, or is it dozens of things? Right. I, I think there is dozens of things. I think one could argue that that sort of... Americana country thing is uniquely Midwest. I think that the the hooky power pop that Cheap Trick and Shoes and Pez Band and Material Issue bring to the table is uniquely Midwest. And and I and I think uh, one of the things I think you could also put your finger on is that there's a little bit of everything here. And so the exhibit essentially starts with gospel and ends up, you know, in in rap and hip hop. I mean, industrial metal. There is something here for everybody. And I think some people are going to walk through and go, I, I never knew I never knew this band was from Illinois, but I also never knew that this music even existed. We're going to have a few of those. There's, there's, there's actually one artifact that i got to tell you a story about. And so there's an industrial band called Ministry from Chicago, Al Jorgensen. And uh, he was on our list, and we reached out to his manager, and we said, you know, we'd like to borrow an artifact from you for this exhibit. And we we had seen a lot of their stage shows where they do a lot of gothic imagery and a lot of scary stuff. And he's kind of a scary dude to begin with. And they said, well, we'd like to loan you this microphone stand that is ornamented. It has these skeleton bat wings with a skull on the top. And the, the middle section of it lights up and there's some sort of fluid in there that bubbles. And it is a really cool piece. It's been on this tour, this tour, this tour. We had it made by some company in New York. It's been around the world. And now it's sitting in our lobby at our offices. Would you like to borrow that? And we said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So they put it in a crate. They ship it to Springfield. It gets here and the fluid's leaking. Whatever fluid is in the middle of this tube is coming out all over the place. (laughs) And you have to understand, we are a proper museum. We have conservators here. They see ooze coming out of something as scary as this microphone stand. They freaked out. We're like, okay, what is this stuff? And so we tracked down the guy who built it, finally get a hold of him. And I had actually, it was a really funny moment because we were assuming with a band like this, it was either flammable, volatile, (laughs) it was either embalming fluid 
or or the joke was it was the same fluid that you'd find in snow globes, whatever that is. Okay, so we had all these theories, right? And we were gonna, about ready to put on hazmat suits because we needed to drain it because we couldn't stop it from leaking. So we finally tracked down uh, the guy who built it, and we got him on speakerphone, and I'm, I'm surrounded by my team, and we're all like going, okay, what is it? He goes, it's baby oil. <laughs> and we all like... Okay. Uh, so we ended up draining the baby oil uh, so that nobody would be harmed when they walk in the museum. But that, that's just one story. We, and I would, I would say this one thing too, Jim. The only small byproduct, uh, by, uh, the, thing that, the only positive thing to come out of COVID for us was that when we reached out to all these musicians and, and, and they, were, they were home. They were available. Yeah. They responded. And if this was a normal year where they're all out on the road and they're all caring about their careers, so everybody cares about their careers, we would have had a tougher time. And, and we were so successful at borrowing some unbelievable artifacts from Miles Davis's trumpet, Benny Goodman's clarinet, you know, guitars from Rick Nielsen and Sticks and, and materials from Ario Speedwagon and uh, gospel and, and you know, in crazy microphone stands as well. Before I grew up to sing rock, I was a clarinet player in school. Benny Goodman's clarinet being here, I feel like I have to make a pilgrimage for this. I mean, I'm going to, it's going to feel like a shrine there to me. And, and, and that's the thing, no matter what your genre or style of music is, there's probably going to be something here that's going to have that same sort of experience uh, for visitors who come to this exhibit. Now, I, I have to mention this. Lance Tauser is here. He's the exhibits and show director at the Presidential Library and Museum, uh, developer of the State of Sound exhibit focusing on Illinois music and musicians. And you are yourself a, a rocker from, from back in the day. How does a, a rock and roll guy become then a museum guy? What's the path that gets you here? <laughs> it's not a direct line, Jim. Uh, I, I, I will admit I had a, a, a cup of coffee career in the 90s where the band that I was in uh, got signed to a major label and we had a small amount of success, but like a lot of bands, you know, it just took one firing at a record label and then everybody went away and the band broke up and that was it. By the way, small amount of success, they were on the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack, okay? They're, they're immortalized for that alone, if nothing else, but, true, yeah, but, but you know, it's a common story. Uh, sure. the, the, the biggest of big times is pretty elusive for most people. Yeah, and, and, and for sure. So just a footnote music career. And so all the while uh, I was in the band, I, you know, I got a, uh, a bachelor's degree and I was a graphic designer that got a job by chance after I married, got married um, working for an exhibit design firm. And I didn't know there was such a thing as an exhibit design firm. And I moved my family to Midland, Michigan from Chicago. And uh, I started working on an exhibit for the Field Museum, one of my favorite museums. Uh, and the exhibit's still there. It's called Life Underground. It's, it's how you get shrunk down to a microbiologist and you run around and learn about soil. And that, that was a light bulb moment for me. That's something that I created would have this lasting effect on uh, the public. And so from then on, uh, it's been 22 years in the museum field now, so I can barely remember my band days. But um, so the direct line went from uh, an exhibit design firm in Michigan to one in Washington, D.C., to working for the Savannah College of Art and Design, to working for another museum design firm in Louisville, Kentucky, to moving back to the Chicago area as a curator of exhibits at the Elmhurst History Museum, then going to Naper Settlement, and then coming to the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Museum. The, Isn't that exhausting? Well, it, a, a little bit, but it's also really kind of inspiring, too, to, you know, to, to see a, a path that takes you there and then allows you to do something that incorporates you know, so much of your, your passion and, and 
the things that you find fun and enjoyable and make it fun and enjoyable for everybody else, too. It's called The State of Sound. It's going to focus on Illinois artists and music, and it opens April 30th. How long is the exhibit going to be here, then? It's going to be through January 2022. All right. So uh, you'll have plenty of chances to see it included with your museum admission, but definitely uh, get here. Now, I-, I know you've got a virtual event coming up with uh, a drummer who's been touring with Eleven Spoonful. Uh, are-, are you going to be having other musicians interacting with the exhibit online events or maybe even in person at some point? Yeah, and it brings up a really good point. Yeah, the education department has set, set up that great program, and I'm really fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of wonderful museum professionals that are doing some great work. Joe Joe Crane, our friend, is going to be booking bands and 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 doing some programs for adults, and our education department is going to be doing programs for, for, um, for younger folks. But the great thing about this exhibit, by making these connections with these artists, and in some cases we're talking about the family members. So I, I, I'm close with Helen Wolf's daughter with, um, you know, with, uh, a, a lot of these people whose the, the figure has moved on, but like, uh, Miles Davis's kids and that kind of thing, John Prine's kids. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to enjoy working with them, uh, throughout this process. So they're not a, they're now a stakeholder. They've loaned us an artifact. And so we're going to develop our own little podcast that will be a companion piece to this show. And we're going to tape interviews with each of these sort of stakeholders and, and try to produce something that will add content through the, through the months of the exhibit. So, you know, I, I think we're, the museum is kind of taking that next step of kind of becoming content generators. I mean, you, you do it every day, all day, but, uh, if you just open an exhibit and just assume people will come, then you won't. You'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. You really need to, to to be generating content and and to, and creating conversation throughout the run of the show, and that's our plan. Lots of opportunities to do that, but oh, again, yeah. nothing quite like the experience of seeing it in person. It is still taking shape, and it opens April 30th. You'll see Howlin' Wolf's harmonica, Dan Fogelberg's guitar, and Earth, Wind, and Fire stage costume. Oh, so cool. I, I'm just I'm I'm getting chills just thinking oh, yeah. about some of this. So come see it here at the Presidential Museum beginning April 30th. Lance Tauser is the exhibits and shows director here at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Congratulations in advance. It's already looking to be a fantastic... And we haven't even talked about the virtual studio here. Vintage soundboard, like the type I used when I started at WMAY back in the 1940s. We've got cart machines and turntables with 45s that have uh, Illinois artists like Chicago and sticks on it. Uh, An old reel-to-reel machine. It's it's amazing here. And again, you'll see that in action here at the exhibit, too. Lance, thank you so much. Uh, Looking forward to coming back uh, during the run of the exhibit and talking to you some more about it. Sounds great. Thanks, Jim.